I mentioned our school a moment ago. Today, folks, is our power of one focus. Our school has done such an amazing turnaround, and we've had an explosion of growth, mainly because of this church body and your loving heart to see the needy and to do something about it. It was just a few years ago that we were talking about if things don't turn around, we'll have to give this school a proper burial. And the board and I, we really felt like there was more fight in the school and we wanted to keep fighting and so we brought the need to you and you believed in it as well and things have amazingly turned around. Uh, I, I thank God for the leadership of Jolene Loveteer over our preschool and Karen Bland, my wife, over our K through 12. And I want to, I'm going to have them come in just a moment. She has a video that she wants to show you. So watch this and then we're going to tell you a little bit more about how you can get involved.
can feel the ache You think it's more than you can take But you're stronger, stronger than you know Don't you give up now The sun will soon be shining You gotta face the clouds To find the silver lining I've seen dreams that move the mountains Hope that doesn't ever end Even when the sky is falling I've seen miracles just happen Silent prayers get answered Broken hearts become brand new that's what faith can do It doesn't matter what you've heard Impossible's not a word It's just a reason For someone not to try Everybody's scared to death When they decide to take that step out on the water, but it'll be alright. Life's so much more than what your eyes are seeing. You will find your way if you can. Charlene, Karen, I want you to come and uh, talk to us about what's going on. Not only, folks, have we not closed La Palma Christian School, we have exploded in growth, and now we go from kindergarten all the way to 12th grade. We added junior high, and now we've added high school even, 
And uh, it's very, very exciting, and I want, I want you to give us an update on how can we continue to help. Okay. Uh, you know, we're one, two, three, this is our fourth year into the scholarship program. Four years ago in 2009, I was praying about uh, what we were gonna do because we only had 52 students enrolled. And uh, that was the beginning of trying to uh, see if the school is going to survive. And I was praying about what to do and uh, I realized that for over 10 years that I had been supporting three children through Mission of Mercy and that was to put them through school and uh, loved doing it, and it was very beneficial, and it, it, it meant a lot, and uh, the Lord kind of impressed on me that why don't we do that here? Uh, it's the same, same thing, Mission of Mercy, only here on this campus, and so uh, the Power of One Scholarship was created, and in that, on that school year, 2009-2010, we had eight scholarship applicants, and we raised $10,000. Wow. And our enrollment was 52. Very good. Uh, the next year, we carried on, and we had nine scholarship applicants, and 70 students enrolled, and we raised $20,000. And that was big. And that was huge. Was big. Yeah. Last year, we were thinking 25. We're going to get uh, we're, that. We're going to get 25. We had 14 scholarship applicants last year. And yeah. wow. uh, there were... 82 students in our school. And in one service, it was a miracle. We raised close to $40,000. Yep. Last year. Last year. So I'm not even going to voice, because I'm not going to limit God, because about the time I say a number, you know, he'll say, okay, that's all you want, so I'm not going to do that. This year, we ha I have 20 scholarship applications on my desk. 20 of them, but I have 95 confirmed students for next year starting the school year. Yeah. Um, I wanted to let you, I, I want the teachers who are here, any of our teachers to stand because this doesn't get done without an incredible right. staff. We have incredible teachers.
Awesome. I hope you are sharing Christ here on our campus, but our students are turning around and they are passing it forward. Wow, wow. That's awesome. Great. And the stories just continue. I mean, we don't have the time, folks, to tell you of story after story after story. We have so many families that have brought their students here because a lot of our students have special needs. Well, the, in the first service, I didn't get to say this, but um, with our school, uh, our, our theme and what we stand for is that at La Palma Christian School, we, we educate the child. We, we don't educate the classroom. We educate individually. So each child receives the individualized attention that they need. Um, in the video, there were several of our scholarship students. One student uh, has severe anxiety attacks. Mm -hmm. He wouldn't make it in public school because he can't even approach the day without hyperventilating, crying, working himself up to where he vomits. I mean, it's yeah. just... So every day, the teacher, our teachers are praying for peace over him yeah. and uh, asking for the Holy Spirit to guide him and direct him. And every year, it's something that we face. But he is remaining, actually, he's remaining here. And because we have a junior high, he's able to stay with us. Um, I know before the card, I'm going to share a couple of the kids. But Daniel, one of the pictures of the kids, one of the scholarship applicants, his, um, his mother actually sells tamales. So that he can yeah. attend here. But Daniel came to us frustrated and angry uh, because he could not understand English and he couldn't speak Spanish. He got he was kind of in a no man's land. Um, so the public school system pegged him as a problem child and put him in a classroom where he wasn't getting what he needed. When he came to us, this is no exaggeration. I was called. I think he came to us in Sunny's room. I was called to her classroom several times, Jolene can tell you, and I have bruises on my legs from trying to hold him down, from throwing chairs across the classroom. He was very combative. Now, you can guarantee I wanted to suspend and expel him, you know, I wanted to take him down, I wanted to fight back, but I didn't. And uh, he is now going into the third grade with Mrs. Jacob, and in fact, this year, Daniel, received 100% on his first language, language test ever. Wow. Awesome. I, I shared about Brady this morning, but I want to tell you about Kyle. Kyle is in a picture. Kyle, we all love Kyle. Kyle is in our junior high. Kyle is, he has autism. He is autistic. He's low functioning, which means he's in seventh grade, but he's doing the work of a sec second grade. He's really happy and he's flourishing. And he's, he's yep. just the friend of everyone in the school. But during the open house, uh, everybody was registering and Kyle and his mom came in and uh, she walked past the table and I grabbed her real quick and I said, we're gonna get Kyle again next year, right? Uh, are you gonna sign him up for next year? And she looked at me like I was an alien and said, nobody else will have Yes. And what a difference. What a Amen. difference. Amen. Ushers, I want you to go ahead and pass these out now. Thank you, Karen and Jalene, so much. She was there for 
the looks today. You got something you want to share? I did the long one this morning. Right, and I let her share. The second one. But you say hi to everybody. Just talk, tell them about, tell them about Sydney. Ushers, uh, sure, so let's pass okay, these out. I got the long one. I did the long one this morning, so I'll do the short version. Um, I can't be short, so I'm going to try to be real short. It's amazing if you really don't understand that what we see every day and what you think we see every day or what you think society is every day and it was a heart it, it hit me hard one time because we were doing chapel with this little girl I said who's going to close in prayer today we do chapel on Wednesday yeah. this little girl raises her hand she says I will and so I said oh come on she stood there and it was silent everybody bows their heads she looks at that and she goes what's pray mean wow she had no idea what prayer was she had no idea but you know you forget that not everybody lives in a home the praise. Yep. Right. So thank you, thank you, thank you. And she's a kindergarten. She's now been over. And her mom and her dad, they're gonna be here one day. And they're gonna be here. Well, and that's how it goes. Yeah. That's exactly how this goes, folks. Um, we, we invest in a in a child, we see the need and extend the love of Jesus to a child, but it's far reaching. It goes into the home, it goes to the parents. It, it just has this ripple effect. If anybody else needs one of these um, Power of One scholarship commitment cards, please raise your hand right here. Hold it up high so the ushers can see where you are. Okay. I'm going to ask you to hold off on filling this out. I'm going to preach here in a moment. I just, a few, a few words. Uh, I'll be brief. How many believe that? <laughs> Nobody. Hold on to that. I want it in your hand so you can be praying as I preach. But you said something about it just reaching the family. Let me tell you how this works. We had uh, a little girl. She's been in our, in our school for many years. A wonderful family that we have loved um, from a distance. And um, the, the father of this little girl, his mother was dying and they called on me to come. And I was felt very honored to, to come and be a part of this, this moment of transition. They called me to come over and I, I took Pastor Dave with me. He hadn't been here very long. And they told me, now she's probably not going to know you're here. She's, she's not very coherent. She's in and out, but mostly out at this point. She was very close to death. They wanted me to come and kind of serve as a uh, do a, a last rites sort of thing. And I prayed really under my breath, God, let her become alert. Give her awareness that I can talk to her. And you know what? God did exactly that. This man's mother was alert and she began to talk and converse with me and I asked her if she knew Jesus and she said yes. She assured me that she knew him and he was in her heart and she let me know and everybody in the room, she let this family know that she was ready to be with him. She was ready to die. And it just, the peace flooded this, this living room. I'll never forget it as long as I live. It was a powerful, powerful presence. And this little girl's dad, he said, we want to come and visit your church. We're going to come visit your church. I said, that's great. You know what? Our doors are open, but anything I can do to help you and whatever. Well, I never did see him except to drop off or pick up their little girl. 
And I'd just say hi, and we'd talk and whatever. And he'd say, I, I, I still want to come over and, and see you sometime. I said, great, anytime, right? One day, he shows up. Sunday morning. I was like, after, afterwards, I said, Karen, did you see who was here? Did you see who came in? So we'd plan it cool. I mean, I want to get my net out, right? You know, I'm... <laughs> But I want God to do His thing. See, God's plan is so much bigger than we understand or we realize. I want to be a part of God's plan. How many want to be a part of God's plan? And I don't want to mess up God's plan. So they came back, I think, the next Sunday, or maybe it was even a, a Sunday in between. I don't know. But I saw him again. He and his whole family. He has another girl, an older teenager, then I saw them like Sunday to Sunday to Sunday, and they just kept coming on Sundays. Next thing I knew, he and his family came on a Wednesday. Now, you know there's something crazy going on if somebody's going to come on a Wednesday. How many Wednesday folk do I have here on Sunday morning? Come on now. Let me do a little plug for Wednesday night teaching. Comes back on Wednesday... Next thing I know, he comes by himself on a Monday night men's meeting. Now it's really gone to a crazy level. And I'm sitting at the table with this man. And I felt the Holy Spirit challenge me to challenge him. If he had ever actually prayed a prayer asking Jesus to come into his heart and forgive him of his sins. So, I, I, you know when the Holy Ghost is talking to you. How many know when the Holy Ghost is talking to you? If you don't, I pray you learn that fast. Learn his voice. Learn his prompting. He was prompting me to challenge this man. So I, I was all ready. And then Pastor Jim transitions things. Okay, we're done eating. It's time to teach and whatever it was. And I missed this window of opportunity. And I thought, oh. So we're all done. And I'm thinking, well, I'm going to just follow him out to the car, Right? So, stalker, thank you. Ay, ay, ay. Lord, see what I have to deal with here? <clears throat> so, I, we conclude, and I got all these other brothers that are talking to me, and I want to talk to them, and some want to tell me stuff. This is their only opportunity. Hey, pastor, I want to tell you what happened at work. Hey, pastor, I want to tell you what's going on. Hey, pastor, will you pray for me? I love that part of what I do. But I had a, I had a, a, a focus here. I, I had an intent, and I was going to just follow this man out to his car. But the next thing I know, I'm talking, and I'm kind of looking over the corner. Mm -hmm, I'm, I'm distracted, totally distracted. He's gone out of the room. So I'm like, I'm going to run and see if I can catch him. I get outside, and sure enough, he's not to his car yet. And I catch up with him. I said, let me, let me walk you to your car. We got about halfway, and I asked him what the Holy Spirit had challenged me. I said, have you ever prayed to ask Jesus into your heart and to forgive you of your sins? He said, well, you know, since I've been coming to church here, I've been praying a lot. I love that. I've been praying a lot. I said, well, this is a different kind of prayer. This is a life-changing prayer. You're acknowledging that you need a Savior, and Jesus is it. He said, I, don't, I, I guess I, I've never prayed that. I said, well... If you want, we can pray it right now. 
And out on the parking lot, about halfway between here and my home, I took this brother by the hand and I led him in the sinner's prayer. He accepted Christ that day. They've never turned around. He joined our ushers. And it's Byron Rick Wicks right here with his wife, Rebecca, his daughter, Rachel, and Reagan's over there. That's the power of one right there. Ah, isn't that good? That's so powerful. That's powerful. And he's like a sponge. He's so eager to learn and, and just, just, he wants to absorb all the teaching. That's how far-reaching this is, folks. It's more than just pouring into some little life. I believe that our school, La Palma Christian School, is the strongest branch of outreach that our tree has. I really do. 95 students confirmed to be here in just about four weeks. Unbelievable. You remember, remember just a few years ago, Floyd, we were talking about how, how we could give it a proper burial if God didn't do something and turn it around, but he turned it around. He turned it around because of the power of one. I want you to open your Bible and go with me to Luke chapter 10 for just a few minutes. Luke chapter 10. We're going to start with verse 25, Luke 10, 25. And behold, a certain lawyer stood up and tested Jesus, saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus said to him, What is written in the law? What is your reading of it? So he answered and said, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and love your neighbor like you love yourself. Jesus said to him, You've answered rightly. Do this and you will live. But he, the lawyer, wanting to justify himself, said to Jesus, Well, who is my neighbor? Then Jesus answered and said, a certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among thieves who stripped him of his clothing, wounded him, and departed, leaving him half dead. Now by chance, a certain priest came down the road. When he saw him, he passed by on the other side. Likewise, a Levite, when he arrived at the place, came and looked and passed by on the other side. But a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion. So he went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine, and he set him on his own donkey, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. On the next day, when he departed, he took out two denarii, gave them to the innkeeper, and said to him, Take care of him, and whatever more you spend, when I come again, I'll repay you that. So which of these three do you think was neighbor to him who fell among the thieves? Jesus asked the lawyer. The lawyer answers back to Jesus and says, He who showed mercy on him. Jesus said to him, go 
and do likewise. Father, open our ears today. Open our eyes today. Open our hearts today. May we see the needy and do something about it. We give you thanks and praise as we pray this in Jesus' name. Come on and say amen. amen. In our text today, we find a lawyer who's trying to be clever. In our text today, we find a lawyer who's trying to be cute. He's trying to test Jesus, trying to outwit Jesus. This is not something that I would recommend to anybody, going head to head to Jesus and trying to be cute with Jesus, trying to be clever with Jesus, trying to outsmart Jesus. But that's what's happening right here. Trying to trick him, actually. And he asked Jesus, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And what does Jesus do? He answers the question with a question. He's basically saying, you tell me. What does the Bible say? What does the law say? You've read it for yourself, he tells this lawyer. What does it say? What do you read in the law? The lawyer gives the perfect religious summary of the entire law. He's quoting Deuteronomy here in Luke 10, 27 by saying, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Which is still what we're to do today, folks. The greatest commandment of all time ever given, love God. Second verse to that song, Love your neighbor like you love yourself. It still applies to us today. So the lawyer probably sits back and smugly thinks, I got that. I nailed that one, right? Jesus even says to him, good job. You've answered correctly. Now, if you'll just do that, love God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind, and love your neighbor like yourself, you will inherit eternal life. You'll live. That's what he tells him. So the, the lawyer then says, well, well, hang on a minute. Who's my neighbor? Here's where he's trying to get cute. Here's where he's trying to trick Jesus. This question suggests that there must be some to whom the obligation to love must not apply. You can't be serious that we have to just love everybody. This question wants to set limits on who we are to love. Who is our obligation and our duty to love really apply to? Who's my neighbor? His question emphasizes the worthiness of the object of love rather than the attitude of the one doing the loving. You can't be serious. You can't mean that I got to love, love this, this rascal. I got to love the murderer. I got to love the rapist. Who's my neighbor? I mean, what's the limits here? So Jesus answers this question. Not with a question, but with a story. The great storyteller, the master communicator, begins to unfold the answer by telling the story of what we know now as the Good Samaritan. In this story, we see the power of love, true love, authentic love, godly love. We see the power of being a good neighbor. We see in this passage the power of one Samaritan. There are clear steps that I've seen that I want to unpack for you today and I want you to jot them down. Clear steps that we could take to show the real, true, authentic love of God. Step number one, 
the Samaritan saw the need of the man. Look at verse number 33. But a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came from where he was, came where he was, excuse me, and when he saw him. The first step in meeting the needs of the needy is seeing the need. I wonder how many times we just walk by the needy. How many times, let's just be honest today, do we walk right by those in need? Maybe we don't see them because it's such commonplace in the greater L.A. area. It reminds me of Peter and John going to the temple in Acts chapter 3. They're going to the temple. And it says in verse 1, Now Peter and John went up together to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour. It was church time. It was Sunday morning for us, let's say. It's time to go to church. Get the church on. Get the praise on, right? And a certain man that was lame from his mother's womb, in other words, lame his entire life, born lame, born crippled, he was carried every day at the gate of the temple that they called Beautiful. The name of the gate of, of the, this, is, this temple was called Beautiful. And they laid this lame man there every day. They did this so he could ask alms or money from those who entered the temple. Verse number three, who seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, did what he does to everybody else, did what he does every day. He said, hey, could you spare me a couple of pennies, a couple of nickels? Do you have any change in your pocket? Could I have some alms? And fixing his eyes on him with John, Peter said, look at us. So the lame man gave them his attention, expecting to receive some money, expecting to receive something from them. And Peter said, silver and gold I don't have, but what I do have, I give it to you today in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Get up and walk. And so he took him by the right hand and lifted him up. And immediately, somebody say immediately, and immediately the Bible says his feet and his ankle bones received strength. So he leaping up, stood and walked and entered the temple with them, walking, leaping and praising God. Can you imagine with me this man being laid at the entrance of the church every day? People walking in and people walking out, people walking past him every day and not even seeing him. Or if they did see him, they saw uh, the, the disgrace that he was to the house of God. Did you smell that man today? He really reeked today. Did you see the rip in his robe in the back? You could see the backside of the guy. He's extra loud today. Good thing you're not a little bit closer. You'd have got wet right there, Roe V. Got a splash zone. Thank God for the splash zone. So either they, either they, they, they saw him and they're irritated... Or they just don't even see it anymore. It's like our bougainvillea, big pots of bougainvillea right before you enter the church. Do you even see that anymore? we got these huge pots and it's got bougainvillea in it. We walk, and we, we, we walk right by the needy every day. We don't even see them. First step in helping the needy is seeing the need. God help us to actually see the need around us. There's so many lost. There's so many hurting. 
There's so many confused. So many are suffering. So many are wounded. There's so many in need. Step number two, the Bible says that he had compassion on the man. Verse 33, a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was, and when he saw him, step one, he had compassion on him. This is the missing ingredient, in my opinion, in loving people. With the true, authentic love of Jesus, there's no compassion. Maybe we even see the needy, but we're not even moved to compassion any longer. After all, the priest, the priest of the temple, the holy man of God, just by chance, the Bible says, the, by chance the priest was going by, uh-huh, he saw the man, verse 31, by chance, a certain priest came down the road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. Why? No compassion. No compassion. The Levite also saw the man, verse number 32. Likewise, a Levite, when he arrived at the place, came and looked. Not only did he see him, he looked. There's intent there. Maybe the priest is just seeing him out of his peripheral. Maybe glancing over there. But the Levite, he's looking down on the dude. Man, that, you're messed up. <laughs> Boy, I hope somebody helps you there. You know. And he goes to the other side too. I don't, want, I don't want to have any part of it. I don't want to get any blood on my robe. I don't want to get any dirt under my fingernails. I don't want to invest the time that it's going to take. I'm busy. My goodness, I got somewhere to go. I got people to see. I got a church to run. I don't have time to mess with that. Well, the missing ingredient is compassion. We're to have compassion when we see the need. Jesus had compassion. Matthew, six, uh, Matthew 9, 36, when he saw the multitude, Jesus was looking out on the multitude. It says that he was moved with compassion. Compassion, by the way, it starts right here. Put your hand on your heart. Come on, put your hand on your heart. Say, God, move me with compassion. It's got to start right here, guys. Students, compassion for the needy. Compassion for the hurting. Somebody in this room's hurting. We walked right by them. We didn't even know it got to have compassion. Move us, God, with compassion. Step number three, he went to the man. If, if compassion is the missing ingredient in sharing the authentic love of Jesus, this step right here, bring up number three for me again. He went to the man right there. This is the missing step. <laughs> this is the missing step. Now bring up the scripture here that supports this. Luke 10, 34 says he went to him. He saw him. He was moved with compassion for him. But then he took the critical step. That's where most people fall off. Jesus went to the needy. 
He went to the physical needs of the people, the blind, the deaf, the leprous, the crippled, the lame, the outcast of society. Nobody wanted to be a part of them. They were considered unclean. What did Jesus do? He went right to them. Those with physical needs, those with spiritual needs, the woman called in adultery, Jesus had time for her. Zacchaeus, the corrupt tax collector, Jesus had time for him. Those with emotional needs, those with financial needs, every area of need, Jesus not only was moved with compassion, he would go to them. Folks, here's where we miss it. Even if we do see the need, and even if it touches our hearts, because lots of things, you'll, you'll be moved. Oh, that really got me. You might even be moved to tears. But are you actually going to do anything about it? Are you actually going to go to the one that is in need? This is the missing step in sharing the authentic, real, true love of Jesus. It's not enough that we see the need. It's not enough that we're moved to compassion in order to show this love of God. We've got to go to those in need. Step four. He helped the man. He saw the man. He saw the need of the man. He had compassion on the man. He actually went to the man. Then he helped him. Look at our text again in verse number 34. So he went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and water. He set him on his own donkey, brought him to an inn, took care of him. On the next day, when he departed, he took out two denarii, gave them to the innkeeper, and said, Take care of him, and whatever more you spend when I come, I'll repay that back to you. The, the Samaritan, the power of the one Samaritan is that he actually got involved and he helped the one in need. How did he help the one in need? He helped him by giving this is God's plan for us, folks. Giving in order to help others. The power of this, the one Samaritan is that he gave. He gave of his resources, first of all. Must have had this on the donkey, in the saddlebags, I don't know, but it says that he, that he gave him bandages, oil, wine is mentioned, his own donkey, he put him on his own animal, probably a donkey. This is all what he had. Because some people say, oh, the church is always just wanting money. I, see, this pastor's going to plead for money again today. I make no apologies for what I'm about to do. None whatsoever. But this is so much bigger than me asking you for money. This is about you giving of yourself. It's about giving of your resources. It's about sharing with others what God has blessed you with. What you have on you right now. You have more on you right now than the majority of the world will ever have. Did you know that? You could empty out your pockets and your wallet and you have more than a, a majority of the world. Right now, you don't have to go to your house. You don't have to go to your bank account. You don't have to go to your cupboards. Right now on you, even as I speak, you have more. We don't think about that. This man said, well, what do I have on me right now? 
He started getting into his, his knapsack and into his saddlebag and whatever he had. He said, I'm going to help this brother. And he started giving of his resources, his bandage, his oil, the wine. Get up on my donkey. He gave of his resources. He gave of his time. He encounters this man that's half dead. The Bible describes him as half dead. And when he stopped to check on this man, everything on his schedule came to a halt. Because understand that this Samaritan was heading somewhere. Whether it was home, whether it was to work, we don't know. The Bible doesn't tell us, but he was on the road heading somewhere. But this changed everything of where he was going. He was going somewhere to do something. This encounter changed what he was going to do. He invested his time in, with someone in need. Folks, if you really want to help somebody in need, it's going to take an investment of your time. He stopped what he was doing to bandage him, pour in the oil and the wine, put him up on his donkey. That's an inconvenience of time right there. Now, he could have just said, now, there's an inn right up here, and I believe there's some people that could help you, and he just helped him right there, see? But what's he do? He takes the man to the inn. There's some more time. There's that immediate time, but there's some more time to get him to the inn. And the Bible says that the next morning, see, he spent the night with the dude. He stayed at the inn with him. So he's investing the rest of this day, overnight, and into the morning, he's investing his time to someone that is in need. He gave of his resources. He gave of his time. He gave of his money. Yes, he did give of his money. The Bible says that he gave two denarii. One denarii is worth one day's wage. I don't know what you earn in a day, but if you can imagine doubling that and then giving that for somebody that you really even haven't met yet. He's half dead, so they don't, he don't even know his name. He's just trying to nurse him back to life. He invested two days' wage right there. Then he tells the innkeeper, if there's any mo more money that needs to be spent in order to get this man back to health, I'll repay you that. So who knows, actually, how much money was truly invested to the one that is in need. But he did invest his money. And folks, we need to be looking for soil that we can plant seed in. Amen. You always need a harvest coming up. Amen. How many would say, I, I, I need a harvest right now? I wonder, did you plant back here so you could have a harvest right now? Amen. You're going to need another harvest on tomorrow and next week, should the Lord tarry, even so, Lord Jesus, come quickly. Yeah. But see, every day that we have breath on earth, we need harvest coming up. Amen. So we have to always be planting seed. And that's what we're going to do today. We're going to plant seed in La Palma Christian School and in the lives of these students and in the lives of these families that are represented. Amen. Invest your money wisely. Invest your money where you will have a harvest and you will have a return there's already fruit being produced in this soil. It's good fruit. It's lasting fruit. And it's multiplying itself. He gave his resources. He gave his time. He gave his money. 
And finally, Pastor Moses, would you come? He gave care. Don't miss this because I've asked Pastor Moses to come and you've closed up your Bibles already. You've got to get these last few notes. He gave resources. He gave time. He gave money. He gave care. As soon as he found him, he began to actually care for him. He gave three levels of care. Immediate care, right there on the spot. As soon as he found him, Richard, it says he started bandaging him. He did that immediately. He got off of his donkey and began to give immediate care to the one in need. He gave follow-up care. Got him on his donkey and got to the inn. And it says there that he cared for him at the inn. How many hours? I don't know. It's later in the day. So he did that immediate care, bandaging. So he probably did a checkup, right? Did we stop the bleeding? Is there any dirt that we, I didn't wash off because I did this so quickly? I'm gonna, now, I, now I can unpack everything and I can really focus on the need. So he gave, he, he gave follow-up care. Immediate care, follow-up care, and then what I called further follow-up care. This is a whole nother level of displaying the love of Jesus that not everybody's going to get and not everybody will go there. I understand that. But he said, now I got to go, but I'm coming back. I'm coming back to check on this, brother. I'll give you money to help nurse him back, and if you spend more than that, I'll repay you. That's what I call further follow-up care. Karen, it, it amazes me. We have just simply presented a need to these people. This is our fourth year, you tell me? Our fourth year, we've just presented a need. Some children would not be able to attend our school without your help. And so many have just said, I, I want to get involved in that. The thing that amazed me was their consistency throughout the, the entire school year, and some have stayed with us. This will be their fourth year to sign back up, to re-up. That's what I call further follow-up care. Thank you. Thank you for believing in this great branch of outreach from La Palma Christian Center Tree this is one big tree here, La Palma Christian Center, but this branch that reaches out is one of the best branches and outreaches that we have going, touching children's lives. Did you know that many of the, the parents that bring their students to our school don't go to church anywhere? The majority, over 50% easily, they're not churched. They're not even serving Jesus, but for whatever reason, they want their children educated in a Christian school. And I make it very clear to them at our opening session, your student will get the highest education possible. We have some of the best teachers. They'll learn the reading and writing and arithmetic, science, history, and all the other things. But above it all, God help us, they're going to learn the Word of God. And the God of the Word, 
I want you to take that card in your hand and I want you to look at it. There are various levels that you can get involved. Take that card and look at it, folks. This is a monthly commitment, if possible. You could actually sponsor one scholarship. It's a $200 a month commitment for 10 months, $2,000 over the, over the school year. Several have said that they want to do this. So I want to give you that opportunity. If you'd say, I just want to take one child and kind of adopt them, they'll be my student. And you'll be, you'll be, that, you'll be that parent, that spiritual parent that they need. Or there's various other levels. Maybe you can't even do $40 a month, but you could do, even the students, you could do $5 a month, $10 a month. I would like everybody to get involved somehow. I just wanted to um, say for those of you who have sponsored year in and year out, uh, some of you have sponsored Cheyenne Russo, and because we have a junior high, she's remaining. So Cheyenne, I know Rose, Hernandez, uh, Hernandez. Yes, yeah. you've sponsored Cheyenne yeah, for great. several years, and she's returning. And going to be in our and her life has been changed. Her life has been changed. Yeah. And many of our sponsors, um, it's not just the monthly support that you give, but I know on those times that you give me cards, birthday cards, for the kids and the correspondence that you have with them. That that's life changing. One little boy, he didn't he did not receive anything for his birthday except what. Wow. sponsor sent for him and his mother, single mother working hard, was blown away by uh, the support. Teenagers, you spend money. Last year, Elliot supported Brady. Hallelujah. And he did a happy birthday. And he asked for money that came in. He supported it. And Brady's coming back and needs another scholarship. So, Ushers, I want you to come. Folks, I would like you to put this commitment card in the offering, and I will also just open this up to anybody who would like to give in an offering right now. Maybe you can't do a monthly, but you could do something today. Um, again, it is, it is already proven soil that is producing and changing lives. Father, we thank you. Thank you that we get to be a part of sharing the love of God the power of one life to see the need moved with compassion going to them Lord and helping by giving we just pray Lord that you would bless La Palma Christian School bless the preschool God and all the students that come and all the families that you've brought here bless the K through 12 school Lord and all of the students and parents that you've brought these families God and Lord I pray your blessing on all those who will be sowing seed participating in changing lives. We give you thanks. We give you praise. We pray this now in Jesus' name. Give me your heart, Lord. This is what I pray. Give me your heart, Lord. The passion that you gave to see the world through your eyes. Show me the way. 
everybody stand. Sing this with Pastor Moses. today in Jesus name. Amen.